Yes, we are back. Your favorite podcast of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 585. We're recording on September the 6th. Yes, it is a new month. It is the fall season upon us. The kids are back to school. All of that. So, um, Ariana, how are you? I am hanging in there, you know. It's like just a lot happening. Trying to keep up with it all and manage to maybe get a few hours of sleep. <laughs> but it's good. I'm looking forward to fall and like a new routine for everybody. Um, but still, the transition is a little, a little chaotic. But yeah, all good, yeah. no complaints. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it never stops in the world of location, location data and all that. There's lots going on. Uh, so as usual, we have four stories for you this week. Uh, so we'll jump right to it. And Ariana will kick us off with uh, an interesting uh, automotive one. All right. So, you know, I'm always thinking about the autonomous vehicle and how I'm excited about that, because I think, well, you know, hopefully by the time my children are driving age, ages, I should say, uh, that they will not necessarily have to be um, super attentive all the time, that a vehicle will maybe, you know, take care of that. So the other side of that, though, is what about everybody who's not in a vehicle um, and how are autonomous vehicles going to be working with them? Maybe that's pedestrians or people on a bicycle. And something that's interesting here is that Ford, uh, the, the motor company, obviously, has filed a patent recently for a smartphone app that would allow cars that are in their self-driving mode to alert or communicate with pedestrians via their smartphones. So it's very interesting, right? Um, thinking about how I commute into the office now or going into the city and getting alerts as I'm on my commute and crossing roads that there's you know, a vehicle that's in its autonomous zone is very interesting to think about. So the app that they described in their patent would just alert what they're calling vulnerable road users, so anyone not riding in a car, um, about this presence. So, you know, they're trying to gather this information via machine learning, you know, have uh, in order to predict an impact event, which is terrible sounding, right, uh, between the autonomous vehicle and the mobile device. So. There's obviously several problems with this approach and, you know, Ford's not really the first one to think about this. So uh, not too long ago, there was uh, the Federal Highway Administration. They got kind of got in on this and they had, you know, kind of opened up to similar technologies to say like, hey, you know, pitch us. Let's figure out how to create this all encompassing vehicle app. Um, I think it was kind of their failed attempt at a pedestrian safety month, um, which basically was like, don't get hit by a car. Uh, from the summary that I read from this article, which was uh, a little bit comical. But there are several problems here because, you know, you've got consumer behavior. How do you change consumer behavior as most of us, you know, who are walking down the road are typically not looking at our phones? We shouldn't be engaging on our phones. Maybe we have headphones and we're talking, but hopefully we are alert to what's happening around us. Um, also, the communication that's outlined here is happening in one direction. It's a push to the consumer, the pedestrian, if you will, versus, you know, a, a conversation. Um, additionally, you know, the data capture, storage, privacy, all of those things have not really been outlined here. Clearly, this is a patent application, so there's no details on if this app's going to be brought, you know, into fruition, what does it mean? It's not necessarily indicative that it will be executed, um, but it is worth noting that this is something to consider because there has been 
um, you know, data that's showing there's an increase in fatality in, in car accidents, as well as in accidents with pedestrians. And so it's something for us to keep top of mind as we move down this road of, you know, autonomous vehicles and, and everything else. So, uh, interesting, but what do you think? Yeah, very interesting. I think, I think it's a fascinating topic. I think the, um, you know, there, there's been lots of studies and lots of discussion uh, and innovation around the sort of machine to machine communication. So car to car uh, in particular, or vehicle to vehicle, um, you know, you know, that can help sort of, you know, as we move to, you know, a society where, you know, there's more of these than not on the roads, you know, having sort of, you know, proper spacing of vehicles on highways and, and roads that allow for, you know, optimal speed and traffic and less, you know, you know, congestion and slowdowns and things like that. You know, these are some of the benefits of autonomous uh, vehicles and driving when they can detect other vehicles and, you know, sort of adjust accordingly and have a nice, smooth, even flow. Um, when it comes to the pedestrians and people around, though, you know, obviously, you know, you don't necessarily have connectivity to them. So I think this notion of this patent, you know, I think uh, addresses, you know, that concept or that idea. I think there are, as we'll talk more about on this show, a lot of privacy issues around this. You're asking essentially people to share their location and, you know, with a, ve with a vehicle um, to be able to communicate that. So um, I think there's certainly benefits to it. Um, lives could be saved. Um, so I, I see a lot of value in it, but uh, I think there's a lot to be figured out here. And I think the insurance companies too, um, you know, that have been looking at autonomous vehicles and, and what that means for the future. and you know, what insurance premiums look like and the, um, you know, the, the math, you know, models, the actuarial models around, you know, what this looks like and, and the impact on, on, you know, pedestrians and humans and, you know, being able to make, you know, decisions on the fly as to, you know, the lowest, um, you know, human cost or financial cost or things like that, you know, all factor into this. So fascinating. All right, on to our second story. So uh, there's a company out there that you've probably heard of by now called Radius Networks, and they have a, a platform called Flyby, which is one of the leading um, location technology um, uh, tools out there. So, you know, an SDK type of tool that uh, works with a lot of restaurants and retailers um, uh, in the marketplace in terms of you know uh, background location data and notifications and uh, things like that and they've announced that uh, an integration on the toast platform so toast is a cloud-based uh, digital uh, platform uh, for the restaurant community uh, they have over 180 partners that are in the toast ecosystem today um, which is really specialized around um, you know restaurant operators everything from you know sales you know pos technology ordering technology to the delivery um, you know, aspect of it. And that's where Flyby uh, specializes um, in particular. So they offer a turnkey pickup solution um, that works across the in-store operations, the curbside and the drive-through channels all in one. Uh, it's really uh, you know, good at optimizing and reducing um, customer and delivery driver wait times. Um, so, you know, it can do, you know, the kind of thing that we've seen for a long time in the Starbucks app, 
where you um, you know place your order through the mobile app, and then it shares your you know sort of location on the way to the store where you you're ready to pick it up, and so it gives a notification to the barista to when to start making it, so that when by the time you get there, it's hot, it's ready to go. Those kinds of things, um, you know, so you know, pick up orders based on true customer, you know, ETA, location, arrival events, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, Flyby and, you know, Radius Networks by extension has been at this for a long time. I think joining with the Toast um, ecosystem and network of other partners and all the brands that they work with um, can only serve them to, you know, quickly grow what they're doing. And the last thing I should say is Radius is one of the key sponsors this year at our Retail Loco event. So they will be there talking about how they do this uh, and you can meet them uh, and their team in person uh, uh, that is October 26th and 27th in Atlanta at Retail Loco. Any thoughts on this, uh, Abriana? Yeah, you know, a lot of um, local restaurateurs here use the Toast, uh, you know, platform. So I'm very used to that. And I love this idea of just taking it a step further. I think about how one of my favorite experiences is shopping on the Target app and when they actually have in stock what I'm looking for and I just can drive up and pick it up and they can see my location. They know when I arrive most of the time. Um, I can also alert them that I've arrived. So all of that seamlessness, I love the idea of having that capability um, from you know a restaurant order pickup standpoint. And I also think of you know, a lot of times when you're in more of a city setting, finding a parking space is really difficult. So being able to have somebody just bring it out to you when you're double parked and not have to kind of, you know, do the the drive around the blocks is is um, super important. So I just think that this is something that is, you know, one step like so much further and it's a great integration for both of those partners. Um. So let's move to something that, you know, we probably don't love to talk about, but it's very uh, prominent in our industry today. And, you know, there's a lot of privacy and legislation and review and, um, you know, happening across the industry at many different angles. And this time, this one is hitting pretty close to home, you know, a company that we've known for quite a while, the FTC has sued Cochaba, um, stating that it is for sharing location data. So, you know, this is kind of the latest in the location data, what I would call a media scare um, a bit, but, you know, this is a little bit, a little bit more severe as it is the FTC that is suing the Idaho-based company. Um, so they announced this last week, they're, they're saying that they, they sold location data from hundreds of millions of mobile devices that could be used to track people at abortion clinics and other sensitive locations. Um, you know, so Kochava has said that the suit has had no merit, that it is a company that complies with all the laws, and that the FTC had a fundamental misunderstanding of their business. Um, they also shared that, you know, it has sourced 100% of the geo data that they uh, collect and that they use for the marketplace and that it is from all third-party brokers whom represent that the data comes from consenting consumers. Um, you know, so this is really a kind of a crazy thing, but it, it, it is not the first that we've heard of this. We've had, you know, crackdowns for every other use case, it seems that could be whether that's tracking illegal immigrants or whether that is tracking um, the president, you know, in the New York Times story. We've seen a lot of this come out over and over again. Um, 
And, you know, also Coach Hava mentioned that they're in the process of voluntarily implementing a new tool that would block location data from sensitive locations. Um, so, you know, I think it's worth noting that Coachava has different areas of their business. This is one of their offerings. You know, they're also known for measurement as a media or mobile measurement partner. And, uh, you know, if this is something that you would like to dive deeper into, I highly recommend the open letter that the CEO, Charles Manning, uh, you know, wrote um, and is readily available. I think what's even more a twist in this story is that the lawsuit that was filed by the FTC happened, you know, I think August 29th. However, prior to this, a few weeks prior to this, Cochava actually filed a declaratory judgment petition against the FTC. So they kind of started this by saying that, you know, they were asking for something um, and they were also feel that they have done nothing wrong. So they're trying to have better understanding, I think, of what the law should be, how they should use the data, how it should be sourced. Um, you know, and I think everybody's looking for clarity there. And from a personal standpoint, you know, I've known the Coachava team for a long time. I have been my personal interactions found them to be, um, you know, a people and a team of integrity. So, you know, I, I hope that there is, you know, the truth that comes, comes to the surface here, but something else is the commission is hosting an online forum tomorrow. It is open to the public and anyone can sign up to speak. So if this is something that you want to, you know, sign up and, and have something to say, you have a data to figure that out. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, and from my knowledge of this type of data and working with this type of data across many providers, typically you're looking at healthcare facilities or as a point of interest. You know, I don't think that anybody is specifically targeting something you know, beyond perhaps a place of faith or a healthcare facility. And to say that they're targeting abortion clinics to me seems pretty far-fetched. Um, but I mean, again, that's that's a, a personal perspective. And I'm sure that, again, this can be twisted and construed for, you know, fear-mongering purposes or just to kind of pivot the, the uh, overall perspective of the industry um, and take that. So... I'm sure you have lots to say on this as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you've covered it well, right? And, and, you know, this has been an ongoing media story. I think it's way more about, you know, fear and, you know, sort of uh, people, you know, building up their soap, soap boxes, you know, within government, um, you know, to, to make a stand on certain things. And obviously there's a lot going on right now in, in the U.S. with the Supreme Court and Roe versus Wade and, you know, media then can lean into things like that and say, now, you know, this data is going to be used, you know, at abortion clinics and this data is going to be used here and there and whatever. So you have a lot of that happening, right? And, you know, this is not new to us. Obviously, we've had, you know, similar media stories, you know, with companies like Xmode and SafeGraph and others. Um, but, you know, this data that we're talking about is completely most, you know, the vast majority of these companies, Coachava, you know, I, I echo what you said, you know, everybody I know there, everything I've ever seen from them is done with integrity. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I fully, you know, think that they, you know, they're, they're well within their rights to defend how they operate and, and their use cases around this. Um, but the reality is, is that there, there's a media, you know, climate from this. And I think that's, you know, where it's coming from right now, you know, and even going back, you know, just a couple of months, you have, 
you know, Senator Wyden from Oregon uh, and his whole group with, you know, Senator Warren and, and all of them, you know, um, you know, making their uh, announcement back in, I think it was July, around the Health and Location Data Protection Act that they put out there. So I think there's a lot, you know, since, you know, those, the, the, those wheels have been put in motion and then the Supreme Court decision. And so I think the media is really just sitting on all of this and trying to find ways to keep this this story moving and to keep you know sort of you know companies in the hot seat around this which might be a good way to pivot to our final story um as well kind of along the same uh thinking now our, our fourth and final story is not the ftc but this time the fcc the communications commission has has also made an announcement that they're launching an investigation, a formal investigation into how the mobile carriers in the US use and store location data. Um, so there's a crackdown happening you know, across the board, whether it's the FTC or the FCC. Um, they said that they're, um, they wanna uh, investigate how mobile carriers are complying with agency rules that require carriers to fully disclose and, and to consumers how they're using and sharing that, you know, their data. And so, you know, I personally, I don't think a lot's going to come of this. You know, we've seen, you know, lawsuits in the past come from the FCC against the, you know, the big mobile operators, in particular AT&T and T-Mobile and, and so on. Um, they're, they're saying that this, this investigation is the top 15 mobile carriers uh, in the U.S. market. So it's, it's much broader than that. Um, and they have to, you know, basically they have to, you know, respond, which they've now done. They were given till August the 3rd to respond um, on how long they keep the data, uh, you know, where, where it's retained, what safeguards they have in place to protect the information, you know, normal stuff, right? You know, even in my small startup, you know, we have to, you know, you know, have answers to this information, you know, if somebody were to come asking as well. So, again, I think this is... Uh, you have government agencies, you know, in the hot seat right now, these bills being put out there, you know, from Senator Wyden and others. Um, and you have a media that is, you know, hungry, you know, for stories of, you know, misappropriation and abuse, uh, when in fact, the vast majority of the companies in our industry, the mobile carriers included, and Cochava and others, you know, aren't doing anything wrong. So that, that's my opinion. Any final thoughts? No, I agree. You know, this is just like it, a lot of it is I think that we are looking for clarity as an industry. We want to have set parameters that span across at least an entire nation, if not, you know, uh, across, you know, multiple continents instead of having to adhere to different practices as we advertise and market and engage with consumers. Um, so I think it's needed. I think as consumers, we want privacy. We want to be able to have control over our data, but you know, the witch hunt and I think the spinning stories for political gain is, is not the way to do it. And it's not going to benefit us as consumers, nor the industry as a whole. And there you have it. That's our show for this week. Lots of controversy going on, uh, in our industry. You've been listening and watching episode number 585 of Location Weekly. Thank you, everybody, for your time, for listening and tuning in. Uh, please reach out if you have story ideas. If you haven't bought your ticket yet for Retail Logo, we want to see you. We're back in person in Atlanta, October 26th and 27th. 
Um, we'll all be there and we're looking forward to uh, hanging out with you too. So uh, just go to retaillow.co, retaillow.co and you'll see the agenda there. Lots of great speakers from Kroger, uh, just got confirmation from Ikea, Rollins, and others that are uh, coming new speakers um, to join us for the first time. So excited about that. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.